0: This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Sexy sat stackers and welcome to the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast, the final DCA Wednesday of 2023. Today, of course, is Wednesday, December 27th, 2023, two days after Christmas. I hope you had a happy holidays. Hope you had a Merry Christmas or whatever you're celebrating in your pleb household in your citadel, wherever you may find yourself. Of course, uh, this is obviously gonna be the last DCA stack of 2023, but it won't be our last DCA stack. We'll get into that and more after the news. And speaking of the news, Barry Silbert resigned as CEO of Grayscale yesterday. We'll also get into that in a little bit more detail later because it is highly likely that that is a harbinger of something big that may impact Bitcoin soon. And of course, everyone is still waiting with bated breath for the SEC to make their decision on the multiple pending applications for spot Bitcoin ETFs. And to top it all off, we're less than 17,000 blocks away from the next halving, TikTok next block. Before we get into all of that and more, let's take a real quick look at the vital statistics. At the time of this recording, Bitcoin is sitting at a block height of 823,209. And Bitcoin is ringing in at a U.S. dollar value of $43,365.00. Or two thousand three hundred and six sats per dollar, almost exactly where we were last Wednesday. Uh, Five dollars more, in terms of U.S. fiat value worth, and one dollar will get you one sat more than uh, than it would last Wednesday. So pretty pretty as close to exactly the same as we were last week as you can get. And that this block puts us, as I mentioned, less than seventeen thousand blocks from the having, but more specifically. 16,791 blocks from that halving. And depending where you get your data or who's doing the estimation for you, that looks like that's going to occur on April 19th of 2022. Pretty much the same as last Wednesday. It's been jockeying back and forth between 420 and 419. Although as blocks have been coming in faster and faster and hash rate has been uh, has been continued to increase and blocks have been continuing to come in faster than Ten minutes a block, despite some pretty good difficulty increases in the last two uh, difficulty epics, uh, and of course, if you zoom out, Bitcoin's hash rate has been up and to the right, even perhaps more steadily than Bitcoin's price has. You know, because the hash rate hasn't dropped off anywhere near as as bad as the you know the big pullbacks that we've seen in price during the previous Bitcoin winners. So it's likely that that halving will be even sooner than April 19th. We will not know until it happens. One thing is for sure. It will happen at block 840,000 because the Bitcoin miner reward is halved every 210,000 blocks, not every four years. So sometime within approximately the next four months, we will experience the next supply shock as that miner reward gets cut in half. Of course, the vast majority of Bitcoin on exchanges of Bitcoin for sale is Bitcoin that is being sold by miners. Most Bitcoin is being accumulated by, well, Michael Saylor, (laughs) but most Bitcoin is being accumulated by us, plebs. And of course, some of us will have a little bit of Bitcoin shaken out of our wallets when we set a new all time high. But that is, you know, that only happens once a cycle. And so, in general, The Bitcoin that finds its way to market is Bitcoin that commercial miners are having to sell to pay for their operational expenses, and that is about ready to get cut in half. Bitcoin's current price gives it a market capitalization of $849.2 billion, almost again, almost exactly where we were last Wednesday. And for those of you who still value your wealth in shiny metal rocks, shiny yellow rocks, it will currently cost you 21.3 ounces of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. So while gold bugs are out there taking victory laps because the price of gold is up a little bit in terms of fiat, not too terribly far off from an all-time high for them, actually, it is still trending to zero in Bitcoin terms. You know, just a month ago, you could have purchased one Bitcoin Bitcoin for, uh, well, almost two months ago, for just one pound of gold. And now we're talking almost a pound and a half. We're approaching a pound and a half of gold to purchase just one Bitcoin. So say what you will about diversification. Uh, I don't personally consider it diversification if you're watching your wealth trend to zero in terms of Bitcoin. But hey, you do you. This is not financial advice. This is not investment advice. I'm merely pointing out that everyone gets Bitcoin at the price they deserve, and if you're Peter Schiff, right now that price is 21.3 ounces of gold. Mark my words, before 2024 is over, we will be referring to that in pounds of gold, not ounces. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, OneBitcoin will currently purchase you 2,425 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's, Again, almost exactly where we were last Wednesday, but up significantly over the year. That is more than one pizza every day, a pizza every day for more than six and a half years. That is a heck of a lot of food security. Imagine being able to feed your family, or at least feed a small family, one large pepperoni pizza every day for six and a half years, more than six and a half years. And that's, of course, not even taking into account the fact that the value of Bitcoin will probably be substantially higher six and a half years from now. So you may run into those situations where your Bitcoin never disappears because you buy a pizza today and maybe it whittles away a few Satoshis. But by the end of the year, the value of Bitcoin, who knows? Maybe it's doubled. Maybe it's 10x. And so five years from now, we're in the exact same point in the next cycle or even a little further ahead in the next cycle setting what is going to be that cycle's all-time record high, and it might be to the point where Bitcoin has become so incredibly valuable. we're talking 100 years worth of pizza. Who knows? All I know is that the number of pizzas you can purchase for just one Bitcoin is also trending up and to the right as the value of pizza trends to zero, according to Bitcoin. I mean, imagine when Laszlo on that first Bitcoin pizza day spent 10,000 Bitcoin on two Papa John's pizzas, and I know I'm beating a, a dead horse, and this might be getting a little repetitious, but... It's just mind-boggling to think that that script has completely flipped, and now we're talking about almost 2,500 pizzas for one Bitcoin instead of 10,000 Bitcoin for two pizzas. All right. Speaking of Bitcoin, the mempool is looking a little bit less clogged than it was last Wednesday. I know there's some controversy around Clark Moody's mempool because mempools have a default size that it that starts booting transactions out or, you know, it fills up and won't allow new transactions in. But for the purpose of consistency, since we've been talking about Clark Moody's mempool, the entirety of this podcast, and because, you know, the ordinals and inscriptions debacle is the way I see it, didn't start spamming the network until, well, less than a year ago or about a year ago. So, um, you know, for scientific purposes, it doesn't make sense to change data sources midstream or this far into the experiment. So we're going to keep referencing Clark Moody's mempool because after all, most of what he's excluding from his mempool are, are spam transactions. They're not on-chain Bitcoin transactions. So that doesn't reflect how much Bitcoin's being used, how much Bitcoin's being moved, how much Bitcoin's being spent, traded, purchased, etc. And I think Clark Moody's mempool does a better job of reflecting that. That being said... There are 39 blocks worth of transactions pending in his mempool. That is down from 59 blocks last week. Uh, So that's a positive sign. Along those lines, Clark Moody's fee estimator is recommending that it will cost you 396 sats per byte to guarantee that your on-chain transaction is included to the next block. And that is down significantly from the 611 sat per byte fee it was recommending last week. However, last week they were They were estimating that a fee of nine sats per V-byte would be be mined confirmed within a day, and that is certainly not the case. It probably didn't happen uh, because they're currently recommending a fee of 65 sats per V-byte if you have up to a day to wait, although they're still saying that a fee of six sats per V-byte will be mined within a week. However, a lot of the mempools I've looked at would exclude that transaction entirely, uh, so the chances of it getting mined are pretty slim. Again, this is one of those things where if you have a priority transaction that you want to uh that you need to be mined right away in the next block or two or even one that you have a you know a day or so to wait, uh, make sure you have the most up-to-date fee estimate and whether you're getting that from Clark Moody or somewhere like at mempool.space or even your own mempool.space instance on your Umbral node or whatever you you may be running at home. Uh, and of course, most wallets will let you you know, bump your fee up. Use replace by fee or child pays or p- child pays for parent or, or whatever to to bump that fee if need be. But currently, it's looking like it's going to cost you a little fewer. You know, it's not quite fifty percent cheaper than it was last DCA Wednesday. And along those lines, Mempool.Space always tells a slightly different story. They're recommending a a fee of one hundred and fifty two sats per byte for a high priority transaction. That's down from 274 sats per V-byte last week, and that works out to $9.25, not quite half of last week when it was $16.65. So that looks like that's trending in the right way. For a medium, low, or no-priority transaction, Clark Moody is still recommending 148 sats per V-byte, 146 sats per V-byte, or 76 sats per V-byte accordingly. All of those significantly more than Clark Moody's 65 and 6 sat per V-byte transaction recommendations. Of course, that metric that you know has been my favorite for most of this podcast, Bitcoin's 24-hour average transaction rate, that has increased uh, from last week. We're looking at currently a, a an average of 6.87 transactions per second on the network. That's up from last week at 6.52 transactions per second. Uh, but it's exactly the same place it was two weeks ago when we were looking at 6.87 transactions per second. Still a heck of a lot of activity. Obviously, a large portion of that is not related to moving Bitcoin around. It's still related to those BRC20 tokens, those ordinals to the inscriptions nonsense. Uh, so it remains to be seen whether this useful, this metric continues to be useful or whether we we end up abandoning it. And I'm not giving up hope because even though the numbers have changed, it used to be anytime we saw more than three and a half transactions per second, Bitcoin is ripping. Now that's more like six and a half transactions per second. It's still a useful metric to look at. Again, that's not transaction analysis that I've gotten from anybody else. I don't know too many people, if anybody that are even that's even talking about uh, the 24-hour transaction rate as far as relating it to Bitcoin price. Uh, but uh, I, I continue to see value in that statistic, so for the time being, we're going to continue to talk about it. Since the last DCA Wednesday episode, Bitcoin had a rather large difficulty adjustment. About two days after after our last podcast, the difficulty it takes to mine, the next block of Bitcoin has increased by a whopping 7%, and that is because the amount of hash power and the power of the ASICs that are being dedicated to Secure the Bitcoin blockchain has continued to increase. As I said earlier, network hash rate has gone up and to the right, even largely, even often when the price of Bitcoin has been trending down. That tells you all you need to know about that miner FUD BS. Professional miners, corporate miners, people that are mining for business, especially big business, or even nation states now, uh, are incredibly bullish is what that tells you. And they're continuing to pour billions of dollars in, in many cases, into mining Bitcoin. You know, Marathon Digital, for example, uh, had announced a while back that they're literally going to invest more than a billion dollars building a new Bitcoin mining center in, in uh, Dubai, I believe it was. Uh, maybe it was Qatar that was getting into Bitcoin mining as well. Uh, you know, El Salvador had been doing a little bit of Bitcoin mining, but they have to bring their volcano uh, geothermal energy plants online uh, as part of that initiative. So it's not just companies it's 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 countries nation states and of course we're going to see nation state and corporate fomo not just on the investing side not just on purchasing bitcoin for their treasuries but on wanting to mine that bitcoin themselves it's just a matter of time we're seeing the very early stages of that when that explodes that's going to be something else 4 years from now when we're talking about the 2028 halving coming up i firmly believe that we'll be talking about a completely different world when it comes to uh mining bitcoin although you know The one nice thing about Bitcoin is that some things never change, that the code hopefully is is ossifying, especially after Taproot and what that introduced to Bitcoin. Maybe it'll be a little bit harder to even implement any soft forks in the future. Currently, we are 1,335 blocks away from the next mining difficulty adjustment. That's looking like it's going to be about nine days from now on January 5th. And depending where you get your data, that's going to be another increase of anywhere from 07 to 1.67%. And of course, in the week or two that, um, that we still have to go before that adjustment, uh, that might increase even more. Because if you remember the last difficulty epic, it was looking like it was only going to be about a 1% to 2% increase. And then the next week, that was already looking like a 5% increase. And then it became ultimately a 7% increase. And that is because more power continued to pour onto the network. Currently, blocks are averaging nine minutes and fifty-seven seconds between blocks. Obviously, Bitcoin's aiming for ten minutes on average, so that's faster than ten minutes. And uh, if 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 that continues to trend even faster, then of course we'll see a larger difficulty increase. Or if blocks slow down for some reason, then you know maybe a smaller difficulty increase. So it's really too early to tell. But one thing's for sure: we are looking at and never ending series in my opinion of difficulty increases as more and more more and more power gets dedicated to securing bitcoin's protocol real quick i want to take a uh, take a minute to thank those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app such as fountain and breeze that allows you to help support your favorite podcast through the value for value model we do not have any boosts to read or at least we did not when i checked fountain as of when i started sitting down and speaking into the microphone if you snuck a boost in while I've been talking, I apologize, and we'll read that on the next episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. But thank you to, the, to those of you listening, regardless of where you may be listening. I had a little bit of an accident on the way into the studio. I mean, literally maybe five minutes before I hit record, I was walking into the studio, and I tripped over something, and I literally went flying. And I went flying with my laptop in my hand, and naturally my priority was to protect my laptop. It's a nice laptop. Uh, I certainly would have a hard time replacing it right now because, you know, it's a two thousand twenty dollars laptop. Needless to say, I went flying, and I kind of went flying around a corner too, so I did this weird twist flip pirouette. My right hand uh, was all that was holding onto the laptop. I had been holding on to it with two hands, but my left hand broke free and went flying and smacked into a candle, uh, a, a, a candle and, you know, a glass candle. My favorite candle, a really nice one that, that a family member gave to me. It's actually... So the flavor is humidor, but it's like leather and cedar, and it's just a neat candle that, um, that I'd been cherishing. But it is no more, and it was a pretty big candle, because uh, for those of you listening in, uh, in countries that use the metric system, it was about a one-liter glass candle, and, uh, and that shattered. And I think some of it's probably in my thumb, because um, I have a, a really good lump between my thumb and my hand, and there's a little bit of a cut and then a bump. Uh, and it's not like a bump, like my hand is swelling, like I broke my thumb or something. Although maybe I did, because it is pretty painful. But it feels like something's in there, so I think I probably jammed a shard of glass under my thumb. I'll check that out after I'm done recording. See how I feel then. My neck and my back are also starting to to, to bother me. They didn't they weren't didn't really hurt right away. Kind of like if you ever been in a car accident, you know, it doesn't necessarily hurt right away, and then you realize all the weird contortions you did as as your car went, you know, careening through the intersection or or slamming into slamming to a stop. Maybe it's not even the next day before your neck starts killing me. But sitting here, in my back and my neck and my right elbow and my right ankle are starting to hurt up. Plebs, I'm a train wreck. I apologize. So if I seem a little distracted more so than usual, because I'm always distracted when I'm doing this podcast, uh, that's why. Um, so um, I apologize for that, that digression. So where, where were we? We were, ta- we were back to thanking you uh, for listening, for hopefully listening on a podcasting 2.0 platform whether you choose to support the podcast or not and speaking of where our listeners are and where off and speaking of bitcoin and ossification our geographic breakdown of listeners has remained the same again for yet another week it had stayed remarkably the same for almost a year and then we had that little bit of a mix-up where the united kingdom broke into the top 10 and then things have, have ossified again so just like last week currently most of you are listening from the united states the number one country with over half of you is the United States of America. So thank you to my fellow Americans that are listening to this podcast. Number two for the as long as I can remember has remained Argentina. So again, muchos gracias amigos for listening in Argentina. Number three for as long as I can remember has remained Germany. So Dankeschon, schön mein friends in Deutschland. Along those lines, number four has remained Luxembourg. So Morian, danke schön mein friends that are listening in Luxembourg. Number five remains Canada. So thank you to those of you riding out the winter in the great white North. Number six remains Spain. Muchos gracias amigos in España. Number seven remains Colombia. Again, muchos gracias amigos. Number eight remains Sweden where nobody has reached out to me to say, to tell me how to say hello or thank you in Swedish. Uh, I guess I could look that up for myself, but I'd kind of, I mean, I know you're there because you've, you're, at least a few of you are there because Sweden remains our number eight top location, top country for, for where our listeners are located. Number nine, as the last couple of weeks, remains the United Kingdom. So thank you to those of you listening in the UK. Number 10 remains Singapore and of course, Venezuela bumped out of the top ten. They're lurking down there at number eleven still, which is really cool because even though you're not in the top ten, Venezuela is certainly one of those countries that, that I think needs Bitcoin. I think there's a different appreciation for for Bitcoin and Bitcoiners are Bitcoiners in the United States and Europe are fun. They're a fun lot and they're for the most part they're optimistic and they they believe in they believe in Bitcoin. They're hardcore hodlers, maximalists even but bitcoiners in countries like venezuela where, where where they you know or argentina which is number 2 where they they know what it's like to have a currency that loses value where uh where where a uh, where a strong solid currency of a, a, de- a one day deflationary currency as soon to be as soon as of the next having to be the hardest money ever known to man really means something more than what it means to people who've never had to run to the grocery store as soon as they got their paycheck because if they didn't, uh, they might not be able to buy the groceries they need to eat that week. So so even though those of you in Venezuela have sunk to the number 11 ranking, it's really cool to know you're out there because it's fun to talk to Bitcoiners from all over the world. It's fun to know people are listening from all over the world. It's fun to help orange pill people all over the world. It's fun to help when times, you know, are are looking not as optimistic during those crypto winters. It's, 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 it's great. It's rewarding to help help keep your hands diamond, keep your hands strong, keep those hands steel to keep you, to keep you, to keep you focused on the mission, to, keep you help, to help keep you stacking in, in that Bitcoin mindset and uh, looking towards the future with that, that long-term thinking. Uh, but even more so in countries where people really, really, really need it. So thank you to all of you listening, regardless of where you find yourself today, when you're sitting down listening to this podcast or driving, listen to this podcast, whatever that country may be, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I I really appreciate each and every one of you. One thing that I wanted to talk about before we really get into the news, and we haven't done this uh, in a long time, but oftentimes the the news is the price and the price is the news. And we'll we'll get into that. But at one point in time, I don't even remember how long ago this was, I broke down the top five companies on the U.S. Stock Exchange or the top five companies out there by their market cap. And just to show you how early we still are, uh, and I'd like to do that again because I had to update those numbers because all five of those companies, well, one company has changed and one company moved into the the number three spot that wasn't even in the top five. But all of the companies that remain in the top five have have increased their market cap significantly. Of course, part of that's due to inflation. One thing that people don't take into account uh often is that inflation should impact stocks too. Often the most uh the biggest run-ups, the 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 most dramatic bull markets ever. In any stock markets in the world have been in countries that are either about to hyperinflate or, or are hyperinflating their currency. Like in Weimar, Germany, you know, the stock market was going to the roof and everybody thought they were they were getting rich. Uh, the stock market in Zimbabwe was going through the roof when their currency became worthless, because not because the companies are becoming more valuable, just like, you know, it doesn't really a gallon of milk isn't really when it when it went from ninety nine cents to six dollars. In the last couple of years, it, the milk didn't get more valuable. Your money became worthless. And so the same thing applies to all assets, all commodities. Anything you have to purchase, if that currency is worth less, is going to cost you more of it. So the market caps of all those companies has increased, and I'd like to go over them just to try and to show you just how early we still are in Bitcoin. The number one, the largest company in the world is still Apple. Uh, and they have a market cap right now of $2.97 trillion. That is three and a half times larger than Bitcoin's market cap. So Bitcoin would have to more than triple its price just to be on par with, where, with the amount of money that people have invested in Apple. And Apple's just one company. Microsoft, for example, has a market cap of $2.81 trillion. Number three, this is what changed. Saudi Aramco moved into the top five, and it's got a market cap of more than $2.15 trillion. Alphabet has a market cap of more than $1.74 trillion, and the number five company, Amazon, has a market cap of 1520000000000 trillion. We're not even talking about Tesla and all these other incredibly valuable companies. Combined, the top five largest companies have a market cap of $11.19 trillion dollars. That is a mere drop in the bucket in the, in the money that people around the world have invested into assets and into commodities and into, into, uh, into investments, whether it be stocks, bonds, gold, paintings, bottles of wine, rare whiskey, what have you. Just a drop in the bucket. And just that drop in the bucket is $11.19 trillion, 13 times the market cap of gold. If gold... Were to just approach the value of a handful of companies that people invest into every day, the price of Bitcoin would have to be five hundred and sixty-three thousand seven hundred and forty-five dollars in today's dollars. Because remember, as inflation increases, those market cap numbers are increasing too. So, just in today's dollars, if Bitcoin were to only have as much investment into it as the five biggest companies on the uh, on the stock market in the stock market uh It would be mo- Bitcoin would have to be worth more than a half a million U.S. dollars. Even Nvidia has a larger market cap than Bitcoin. J- Nvidia, I mean, Nvidia is making a lot of money, right? Especially with the hype around. First, it was you know the the GPUs they were making that were you know not necessarily being used for Bitcoin mining anymore, but those other S coins were still using GPUs, and now they're making chips that are you know going to be used for AI or whatever is the hype, but you know i'm am not saying nvidia shouldn't be a valuable company i'm just saying the world's reserve currency the scarcest money known to man should be more valuable than nvidia the more people should have their money in bitcoin secured by bitcoin than gambling on nvidia stock and and uh so the bit price of bitcoin would have to double just to be value, just to be as valuable as nvidia uh, and if that doesn't show you that you are still early and we're not maybe as early as we were but if that doesn't show you that we're still early uh, nothing nothing will, right? And then, of course, people often refer to gold when they, when they talk about Bitcoin because prior to Bitcoin coming along, gold really was the most sound asset known to man for the last several thousand years. And so, if Bitcoin just replaces gold, if Bitcoin just, if just if, even if Bitcoin doesn't become, even if Bitcoin doesn't replace gold, even if Bitcoin just becomes the digital version of gold, Bitcoin's digital brother or whatever, you know, because a lot of people are, you know, there's still gold bugs and Some gold bugs are, you know, anti-Bitcoiners like Peter Schiff, for example, but then there's other gold bugs like Larry Lapard who are, they think, you know, they both have their place and they they like gold and they like Bitcoin equally. And so if Bitcoin were just to become equal with gold, well, gold has a current market cap of $14.032 trillion. That's more than 16 and a half times bigger than Bitcoin. So if Bitcoin just becomes on par with gold, we're not talking replacing gold. We're talking just becoming on par with gold. The price would have to soar to, uh, to a. Uh, we're talking again in current dollar terms, not not with if the if the U.S. dollar's collapsed because if the U.S. dollar hyperinflated, that market cap of gold's going to go up too. So just in current U.S. dollar terms, we'd have to see a Bitcoin price of seven hundred and fifteen thousand five hundred and twenty-two U.S. dollars just for bitcoin to be on par with gold uh and i'm not i don't want to give any 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 false ammo to any any uh any gold bugs out there that are hating on bitcoin because i'm not putting this out to say look gold's better you know look you know people value gold more i'm pointing this out to say bitcoin's coming and if you think bitcoin is as valuable as gold if you think bitcoin's even going to just become as valuable as gold let not not even replace gold Bitcoin would have to soar to, seven, you know, to $715,000, almost three quarters of a million U.S. dollars in current dollar terms. And so considering we're sitting at less than 50000 U.S. dollars, I'd say that's early. If, you, if, you, if you're looking at potentially being able to 16x uh, on any investment, uh, I think you could con- consider yourself among the early adopters. So again, back to the price. Just like last week, we saw a decent dip the last couple days, and now things are, surprise, surprise, right back where, to, where we were. When we started the podcast, what, Bitcoin was approximately just, what, $5 off of what Bitcoin's price was when we started the podcast last Wednesday? After last week's DCA Wednesday episode, Bitcoin retraced a bit. It dropped to as low as 41600 Kudos to you if you bought the dip and picked up some extra cheap sats. This morning, Bitcoin was as low as forty two thousand one hundred and eleven dollars, so it's it was it's up more than a thousand dollars just today. But all that does is it puts Bitcoin exactly where we were a week ago so of course, the moral of the story is zoom out if you're following bitcoin's price on a minute by minute or a daily basis, it's gonna make you dizzy. It might even make you panic when you see bitcoin pull back if you If you saw bitcoin drop to forty one you might have been thinking, "Oh no." You know, I I I bought it 43 and, and on Wednesday on DCA Wednesday and now I've lost money. But if you just zoom out, those you know, zooming out smooths out those dips in those valleys, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, and we're we're if you look at the if you if you look back at the big picture, we're up and to the right. All right. So before I get too caught up on the news, too caught up on the Bitcoin price, whether we're early or not. How was your Christmas or your holiday time with your family, regardless of what you celebrated? We talked a little bit about the tradition of orange-pilling family members during the Thanksgiving celebration in America about a month ago. But Christmas is celebrated around the world, so obviously many more of you probably had the chance to try and orange-pill friends and family members this week uh, than, than we did a month ago for, for Thanksgiving here in the United States. On Cafe Bitcoin this morning, uh, they said something that reminded me about uh, when I was a kid. And uh, I would receive a savings bond for Christmas or for my birthday, uh, since it's Christmas anyway. You know, A lot of people back in, back in the day before Bitcoin would give their, uh, their family members a, a, a savings bond, or you, would, you know, would buy a $100 savings bond as a gift for a newborn baby. $100, which at the time seemed like a lot of money, certainly a lot larger amount of money than it was today. And obviously times have changed, and the, the way we think about money is, has changed, especially us Bitcoiners. And uh just thinking about waiting ten or twenty years for a hundred dollar bond to mature and then realizing that hundred dollars was significantly less purchasing power than than what you uh quote unquote invested when you bought that bond. I mean, thank God we have Bitcoin. I mean, this is why we say Bitcoin is hope. I mean, this is a total paradigm shift. I'm a lot older than a lot of the plebs. I'm younger than the Larry Lapards out there and the and some of the uh, some of the OGs, probably younger than Satoshi Nakamoto. We don't know how old he is, but you know he was probably actually a boomer, as a lot of the early early cypherpunks were. But I'm old enough to remember when, uh, when a hundred dollars was a lot of money. I was listening to an '80s song. Uh, it was Grandmaster Flash. Was it The Edge or what's that song? Don't push me, cause I'm on the edge. I'm about to lose my head. <laughs> Talks about talking about how growing up in the in the in the hood, you you see the the pimps and the drug dealers, and they're spending twenties and tens. You yeah, know, a ten dollar bill made you a uh, made you rich. You know, flashing those tens, flashing those twenties, and now flashing a hundred. You know, but he was in the nineties. It was like this is how we do it. Song was like hundred dollar bills, y'all. And uh, and in and in the seventies or the sixties or whatever that was, the Richie Rich cartoon or the oh, Scrooge McDuck. You know, they were millionaires, and that put them as captains of industry. You know, richer than anyone else. They weren't just living in a really big house and. Driving a nice car, they were living in legit mansions and legit estates, and obviously, um, especially since 1971 when the United States went off the gold standard, what it means to be rich uh, has really has really changed significantly. And you know, now some of you probably gave tap signers or or open dimes or just you know wallets with with uh, with hundred dollars with a Bitcoin to a family member. And instead of looking back and going, I remember when a hundred dollars was a lot of money. And now, you know, soon a hundred dollars won't buy, uh, won't buy a meal for four at McDonald's. And I'm not joking. I, I took my son to Chick-fil-A for breakfast the other morning and just him and I, just two of us, Now, granted we had, you know, um, it was, it was breakfast. So we didn't have shakes, but we had, you know, a nice breakfast with the treats and all that. It was $32 and 50 cents for two people. That's more than $16. So Obviously that'd be 64, 65 for a family of four, still a long way to go to a hundred. But the point being that the days of taking your family to McDonald's for twenty dollars are long gone. And so the point I'm making is the the hundred dollar bill today will have will be almost meaningless. Uh, you know, it be it'll be, be pocket change in, in just a few years if it isn't already. However, a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin today will not be like that, you know. Um it it another funny anecdote of course one of my favorite christmas movies is national lampoon's christmas vacation and there's a scene when the all the family members are first arriving and uh the grandma or whatever tells uh tells rusty the son you know i'll give if you if you his, her feet are killing her if you if you rub her feet he'll give you a quarter and he says oh gee a whole quarter but in her generation a quarter was a lot of money uh and 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 because of the evils of inflation, the theft of inflation, a quarter in 1989 when that movie came out was was essentially worthless. And so now uh, you, now there's people who won't even stop to pick up a quarter off the street. And it's not that long before uh, that's going to be $10 is going to be that way or $20 or even $100 is going to be that way. But $100 worth of Bitcoin, if you had to wait 20 years for a bond to mature, imagine what $100 worth of Bitcoin will be worth in 20 years. And it isn't going to be one of those... <laughs> Isn't that cute? A whole hundred dollars. It's going to be the exact opposite. You're going to be like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I can't believe that this person gifted me 300,000 Satoshis. I mean, that's just mind blowing. Kind of like when the original Bitcoin faucet would, would give you five Bitcoin just for visiting a web page, And at the time, Bitcoin was basically worthless. And, and there were people that wouldn't even bother clicking on the website for five Bitcoin and now you look at that, and this isn't even 20 years ago, and you look at that and go, can you imagine getting five Bitcoin just for going on a website? Uh, so that's the paradigm shift I'm talking about. And so that's why I think we're still early, because as I mentioned, when we were talking about the market caps of just the largest top five companies, and you know, uh, the Apple is a very valuable company. They provide a great service and a great product. At least some people think it's a great product and other people hate on it, but you get my point. So they deserve to have a large market cap, but they don't deserve to have a market cap that's larger than what will become the global reserve currency one day. So so by that measure, we're still early. Speaking of Christmas, thinking about speaking of orange pilling family and friends and thinking about speaking of giving Bitcoin as Christmas gifts as to help set somebody up for the future or maybe orange pill them or maybe just make sure that they 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 don't miss out when hyper bitcoinization occurs. Rodolfo Novak, a.k.a. NVK, he's the founder of CoinKite, the creator of what is arguably the most secure Bitcoin hardware wallet in the world, the cold card, had some interesting insight into how that may have gone for many plebs. And it sounded pretty optimistic. He tweeted the day after Christmas, so two days ago now, uh, he tweeted on Twitter, and he's at NVK on Twitter if you don't follow him. He tweeted, I think a lot of people were orange-pilled this Christmas. Sales numbers were higher than usual for the actual family days with delivery post-holidays. So he's saying that they had a huge increase in, in basically cold card sales, hardware wallets sales, et cetera, but not in time to get there for Christmas. So it's not like you're giving someone an open dime or a, or a cold card or whatever with Bitcoin on it as a Christmas gift. He's saying that that implies that you might have orange-pilled somebody. They got online and they ordered themselves a cold card or they ordered themselves an open dime or whatnot. And it's going to be there after the holidays because you orange pilled them and now they or, or maybe you just convinced them to finally take their Bitcoin off of exchanges. Either way, he's saying that you plebs out there, you know, trying to orange pill your friends and family members at Christmas, you made an impact, at least one that he's noticing on his bottom line or on his, on his sales volumes. And that, that's really cool. And speaking of NVK on Twitter, he also retweeted an interesting post from Morgan Richard yesterday. Uh, that goes along in lines with uh, with what we're talking about, about Bitcoin price. And Morgan said, Bitcoin has not needed tax incentives to outperform real estate investing. And that is really cool because often when you're talking about, you know, industry or, or things like real estate, you talk about tax breaks, tax incentives, mortgage interest deductions are to help people, encourage people to buy real estate or, you know, they get they give subsidies to farmers or subsidies to electric cars or subsidies to taxpayers, credits to taxpayers that'll cover like half the cost of your of your electric car or the, the electric company will, will give you a, a, a voucher or a rebate if you throw away your gas lawnmower, your gas leaf blower and buy a new lawnmower. And Bitcoin doesn't need that. Bitcoin is exploding in value. Bitcoin is taking over the world. And it did so with the exact opposite of tax incentives. In the United States, they try and make it as difficult as possible with onerous you know, uh, capital gains reporting requirements for every little tiny Bitcoin transaction. Uh, so Bitcoin has done what real estate, Bitcoin has done better than real estate and it did it without any tax incentives. In fact, it did it with exactly the opposite. So I, I thought that was an interesting tweet from, from Morgan Richard. Along those lines, obviously it has been a heck of a year for Bitcoin. If you've been in for any, uh, if you've been a Bitcoiner for any, any length of time, obviously you're doing quite well for the most part, most people are in the green on their Bitcoin investment, unless you're one of the few that YOLOed in at 69,000 at the top. And and even you only have a few months before you're probably in the green boat with us because, you know, we're four months away from the halving and uh, usually, you know, within six months to a year of the halving, Bitcoin eclipses its previous all-time high and then continues upward until it sets its ultimate all-time high 18 months or so uh, after that. But so if you if you if you're one of the few people that got in and you bought it exactly the wrong time at 69,000 and it really isn't the wrong time if you didn't panic sell. Um, hopefully you continued to DCA all the way down and 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 lowered your average purchase price. But even if you didn't, if you just continue to hold, everyone who holds eventually in the entire history of Bitcoin, if you just huddle long enough, you know, it's Adam Meister's 210,000 block theory. Everybody's held Bitcoin for at least 4 years, they've always been in the green. And even if you just started DCAing at the top, but you DCA'd instead of just YOLOing, uh, you're in the green. And along those lines, Bitcoin is up more than 162% for the year and almost 16.5% just for this month. So um, I hesitate to say that the new bull market, I mean, obviously we're in a bull market, but that the, that, that the bull market is smooth sailing from here. Because remember, as I've reminded repeatedly, episode after episode, There have been sharp pullbacks just a month or so before the halving, both of the last two cycles, and nobody knows exactly what the price will be at any given day, even in bull runs, even when we're tearing up into the right, there are pullbacks, sometimes big ones. They might only last a day or so before Bitcoin recovers, but there's ups and downs, even when we're setting all-time highs. And uh, maybe this time will be different. Maybe we'll get those ETFs approved, and that'll be a catalyst for just an all-time high before the halving, which has never happened before. But you know, maybe Adam Back will win that bet. Maybe this time will be different. Even if it isn't different, though, it's only a matter of time. Like I like I mentioned a couple of months ago, that before you know it, it'd be Thanksgiving, and then after that, it'd be Christmas, and then after that, it'd be the having. Well, we've checked off Thanksgiving, and we've checked off Christmas, and then we got the New Year, and then before you know it, the next the next the next thing will be the having, and before you know it, it'll be six months after the having. Before you know it, it'll be the new all time high. You know, time marches on faster than than many people stop to realize. Uh, as as you get older, it seems to march even faster. When you're when you're a kid, man, time stands still. The days stand still. You're looking at the clock waiting for school to let out, and it just seems like it's never gonna end. And then I find kids are like time machines. The minute you have a kid, you you blink your eyes and they're ten. So TikTok next block is what I'm getting at. Before you know it, um uh, Bitcoin will be up and to the right if you just If you just hold for the long term, if you're you're buying and stacking, and you're not trying to time the market, you're not gambling, you're not trying to to be a day trader, Uh, so we may or may not have a pullback coming up. If we do, if we do see Bitcoin tumble back into the 30s, nobody panic. That would be just par for the course. Uh, But like I said, history repeats. It doesn't rhyme. So that may or may not happen. All I'm saying is don't get cocky. Stay humble as Matt O'Dell likes to say. Speaking of Bitcoin's price and Bitcoin's gains being in the headlines, CNBC ran the headline, Bitcoin's 2023 rally drove some of the stock market's biggest games of the year. They're saying that some of the biggest stock market gains are directly attributable direct, directly attributable to Bitcoin's growth. And that makes sense because they're saying shares of Digital Marathon Digital, Coinbase and MicroStrategy, and even the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust all jumped more than 300% in 2023. Double the gains in Bitcoin, and that is obviously because um you know they're pricing they well they 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 took a big hit when Bitcoin went down, and they're right and then now they're riding on the on bitcoin's coattails and and uh, there's some optimism there, so maybe the exuberance phase has already kicked in in the stock market at least as it's least as far as bitcoin adjacent or bitcoin related stocks are concerned uh so everybody's talking about how the the markets are all. You know, an inch, a hair's a hair's width away from new all-time highs, and at CNBC is crediting that to Bitcoin, for example, because Marathon, Coinbase, MicroStrategy, and Grayscale uh, are responsible for a large percent of those those gains on the on the markets. Bloomberg ran the headline this morning: "Bitcoin advances as optimism builds around ETF approval by SEC by the SEC." So uh, they're saying Bitcoin recovered amid. And Renewed speculation that the U.S. Securities and Exchange, or the U.S. Securities Regulator is getting is getting close to approving an exchange traded fund investing directly in the biggest token. Uh, you know, I've had mixed thoughts on whether they're going to approve the ETF. And there are people out there that say even if they do approve the ETF, maybe it's going to be a sell the news thing because it's already priced in. Nobody knows. Uh, it would be really cool if we have you know gasoline poured onto the having fire with an ETF approval and that it just maybe. Maybe that's the thing that launches the this time is different the what do they call it the super cycle last time they were they were they were saying that twenty sixteen was going to be the super cycle where we we didn't have a bitcoin winner that you know there was going to be all the corporate adoption there was going to be corporate nation state fomo and it was just going to be up and to the right forever with with no with no pricebacks no no major no major pullbacks Obviously that didn't happen. who knows if that'll happen this time folks. Plebs, it doesn't matter because we're in it for the long term. I'm never selling my Bitcoin. So I don't care if there's a quote unquote crypto winner in 20, you know, 2025 or 2026. And we have another two-year bear market or crab market or whatever the case may be, because in 2028, 2029, it's all gonna start again. And when you daisy chain those events together, those lines go up and to the right. And the pullbacks and even the peaks. To get smaller and smaller as that chart gets bigger and bigger, but the line remains up and to the right. Adam Meister did a this week in Bitcoin show where he stuck up for Ordinals, Ethereum, and even Solana. Now that is quite controversial amongst the Bitcoin Maxi crowd, even quite controversial for me because I am not a fan of Ordinals and I actually hold a grudge against those that pushed Taproot so hard because we have not seen tremendous benefit from Taproot, and we've seen what I think is harm i'm still willing to let it ride out and see what happens but uh, i do think that it that i emphasize that this shows the law of unintended consequences and furthers my conviction that we ought not make any more codes code changes to bitcoin unless it is absolutely crucial and by crucial i mean like you know we run into a big bug or the or the Or the uh, We know there's a bug that's going to occur in like 100 years that will have to be fixed. And that's pretty much the only time you need to mess with Bitcoin. Because what's giving Bitcoin its value is, like Michael Saylor says, knowing that it's not going to change. That it's not like Ethereum, where they're just going to completely scrap it. And your Ethereum is really going to be Ethereum 2.0. That's never going to happen with Bitcoin. And that is why it's the number one cryptocurrency. And there's reasons why it's the number one crypto. For example, you know, it's immaculate conception. And there's just so much about Bitcoin. You can never, there can never be a second, first Bitcoin. So, but amongst the reasons are the code ossification that you can't fart around with Bitcoin. It's not so easy to just throw in little changes willy nilly that might break Bitcoin. And that's one of the things that makes Bitcoin secure and Bitcoin security gives it a big chunk of its value. So it's interesting, if you don't follow Adam Meister, uh, he has his YouTube channel, Bitcoin Meister, on Twitter. He's at TechBalt. You can check out his Twitter feed and find the link to that video. Uh, he makes some interesting points. You may or may not agree with them, but it is important to take into a point all points of view, and I usually value everything Adam Meister has to say. He is an OG. He's been telling the people to buy Bitcoin since 2013. Uh, he's orange-pilled a lot of people, uh, so Adam Meister is a unique beast, as he likes to say, and, and it was an interesting show, even though I, I had to kind of, grit my teeth and grin and bear it a few times when he was sticking up for ordinals and solana and ethereum as i mentioned in the intro section barry silbert has resigned as ceo of grayscale coindesk reported the headline barry silbert resigns as grayscale grayscale chairman to be replaced by mark shifke the article goes on to say and i'm going to pause here because coinbase i'm sorry coindesk is owned by Barry Silbert also. So, this article you'd expect them to treat him with kid gloves, but you know, they did kind of break the news. So, their article says, "Grayscale Investments whose application to turn its Bitcoin Trust GBTC into a US spot exchange traded fund ETF is being considered by the Securities and Exchange Commission," said Barry Silbert. Said that is said Barry Silbert resigned as chairman and will be replaced by Mark Schifke. Schifke's DCG Shifky DCG's Digital Currency Group's chief financial officer will replace Silbert as of January 1st, Grayscale said in an SEC filing without giving a reason for the changes. Then the article continues and says, uh, well, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. The SEC has delayed several ETF applications, including those of Grayscale, BlackRock, blah, blah, blah. Silbert's Digital Currency Group, which owns Grayscale, was sued in October, and this this is probably key here, was sued in October by New York Attorney General Letitia James for allegedly defrauding more than 230,000 investors, including at least 29,000 New Yorkers, of more than $1 billion. James also charged Silbert with defrauding the public by trying to conceal heavy losses. DCG and Silbert reject those allegations. So this means something. What it means remains to be seen. I can think of a couple immediate possibilities. One, is it was always seen as a huge negative to Grayscale's application to convert to uh, an ETF, that why would the SEC uh, approve their application when they're currently being sued by the New York AG? So maybe this stepping aside was a backroom deal with the SEC that's indicative that the the ETFs are coming. That would be a positive way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that S may be getting ready to hit the fan, and he's ducking out. Um, So who knows? This means something. He's not just going to give up control of his baby for no reason whatsoever. I don't think with the I don't think you can look at the timing of it at least and say that this doesn't have anything to do with the ETFs. Um, or maybe there's a heavier hand coming. You know, it's a distinct possibility that uh it's a distinct possibility that maybe the hammer's getting ready to drop and he's trying to trying to trying to get ahead of that a little bit, kind of like, you know, CZ resigning as uh CEO of 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 Binance right before, the, right before he got indicted. As I mentioned, not mentioned in this article that, that was that um, that digital currency group the CoinDesk is a subsidiary of digital currency groups. So it's kind of weird they don't give that disclaimer. You'd think if you're writing about your boss, the person that owns your company, that that you would mention that, but uh, but they didn't. So so the article gave us some facts and and it tried to maybe sugarcoat it at the end was saying that Silbert rejects the allegations. Well, fairly mentioning that he is being sued. Of course, if you follow Matt Odell, you know he has routinely and consistently skewered Barry Silbert for owning, uh, for owing Gemini customers almost a billion dollars. That's what we are referring to in the more than a billion dollars they scammed out of New Yorkers. Uh, Odell tweeting as recently as Saturday. Christmas is Christmas is in two days, and Barry Silbert still owes Gemini users nine hundred million dollars. And that's his, been his routine. For the longest time, he tweeted every day. It's been 376 days since Barry Silbert, you know. And Barry Silbert still owes Jack users 900000000 million. Or, it's been 378 days, 379 days, or whatever his, his running gag was. But the point being, uh, Odell's pissed because uh, Digital Currency Group is a big company. It owns Grayscale. It owns um, Coindesk, et cetera. So... Barry Silbert has the money to pay back the investors in uh, Gemini. That uh, that Barry uh, Silbert has their money and has, has not been returning. Uh, so that that's what that's all about. But my point for talking about this in the first place is that something big is coming, and we've seen lots of little hints about the ETFs coming with all the the flurry of of ETF amendments. The most recent one prior to potentially this was uh, closing the in kind. Redemption and and making the ETFs all cash settled only, which uh, I don't think honestly really makes a huge difference. That a lot of people disagree with me on that. But basically, what that meant is that if you want to buy a grayscale ETF, you have to buy it with cash and then grayscale. I'm sorry, not grayscale. If you want to buy any of the ETFs, any of the ETFs, you'd pay in cash and then the ETFs would purchase Bitcoin to back it, which is cool. That's going to drive up the purchase price of Bitcoin, right? As opposed to um, you want to. Be part of the ETF, so you have to take your Bitcoin and give your Bitcoin to, to BlackRock or to Grayscale and, and buy shares of ETF with your Bitcoin, which I think would be bad, uh, bad for Bitcoin. So the fact that uh, you're not going to be able to uh, to to have a lapse in judgment and give BlackRock any of your Bitcoin, I think, is a net positive. Uh, but that was that was an indication that that the SEC is bargaining with. The ETF applications, as opposed to last time when they just waited till the clock ran out and then just denied them all without giving any feedback. So, apparently, they're giving these companies feedback. uh, They're giving these ETF applications, applicants feedback, and then they're making changes that would assume you would assume would be to appease the SEC. And that indicates we're getting pretty darn close. Now, there were two things that I thought stood in the way. One was they kept using. Binance and all the fraud and market manipulation going on with Binance is a reason why they shouldn't approve an ETF because the market was still subject to manipulation. So now we've got CZ and Binance out of the way with their plea bargain and, and the US oversight over Binance. And then the other one, which maybe only affected Grayscale's application, was Barry Silbert being sued by the Attorney General of New York, allegations of fraud hanging over Grayscale. Why in the world would the ETF be approved if there was possibility of you know civil and criminal charges coming down? against Barry Silbert and Grayscale. So maybe that's out of the way with Barry Zilbert stepping down as CEO, even though it really shouldn't make any difference because he still owns the freaking company. Who cares if he says, oh, I'm appointing my, my right-hand man as, as CEO. Yeah, it, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't that's like if I hired my next-door neighbor to oversee operations of my house. He's responsible for landscaping and making sure that the trash is taken out. So therefore, I don't have anything to do with my house anymore. It's still my freaking house. I'm still the one that lives here. Ultimately, I'm still responsible. So uh, we shall see. All right, let's get into our recap of what will be our last DCA Wednesday of 2023. So far, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. We've had 51 DCA Wednesdays. This will be 52. In those 51 DCA Wednesdays, we converted a total of 1020 US dollars into Bitcoin so far. And that, of course, includes fees. Today's stack will bring that up to $1,040. Obviously, during the show, we've stacked a lot more than... because we've been going for almost two and a half years, close to three years now. However, just we're talking about our 2023 year review. In 2023, for that $1,020, we stacked a total of 3,603,272 sets at an average cost of $29,342.81. So even just for our 2023 stack, uh, we are up significantly. Uh, So unless you... We're one of the people that YOLO'd in at the top and didn't, didn't buy again, didn't, didn't make more purchases or didn't DCA on the way down. Uh, you're doing really well, and as are we. Uh, and of course, we've only been investing $20 a week. For those of you following along that might be investing significantly more, you're doing even better. We chose $20 for our DCA stack because I wanted to show that it's not too late for anybody and that even if you're sitting somewhere where $20 is a big deal and you're sweating coming up with that 20 bucks, It's still enough to make a difference in your life one day. I think obviously we've shown that. Heck, we've shown that just in the year because, I mean, imagine imagine, imagine one day when Bitcoin hits, uh, Bitcoin, we're talking a a long way in the future, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Bitcoin hits a dollar sat parity. And if it did, 3.6 million sats would be worth $3.6 million. And I don't know anybody, I don't care how wealthy you are, that $3.6 million wouldn't be a lot of money. So, um, so we started small. We kept, it, we, kept it an, we kept it a small number. But if you were stacking more, again, you do you, uh, then you're doing even better. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, if you're just following us because it's the end of the year and, and you're bored and you're, you're, you just want to consume and digest as much Bitcoin content as you can, here at the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast, every Wednesday we do a DCA Wednesday series, a DCA Wednesday episode where we stack SATs. And uh, I'll back up a little bit. What is DCA, you might ask? Well, DCA is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. So, for example, I've already mentioned we chose $20 as our equal portion. I wanted to keep it simple, I wanted to keep it real. Uh, you know, if you're Michael Saylor or somewhere in between, obviously, maybe you're investing a lot more than $20. Our regular interval is weekly. I think we've shown that weekly zooms things out quite nicely. It avoids a lot of the pitfalls, the up and downs, but it still keeps us right up the center on that up and to the right path. So our regular interval is weekly on Wednesdays. Most people that DCA usually do so on their payday, right? So if you get paid every week, maybe you DCA every Friday. If you get paid bi-weekly, maybe it's every other Friday, every other Monday or whatever you get paid. Again, that's a you do you thing, but we're keeping it consistent because consistency is the essence of dollar cost averaging. So this is gonna be our 127th stack. We started all the way back on Wednesday, July 28, 2021. In that time, we've made 126 purchases, converting a total of 2,520 fiat dollars into Satoshis, including $56.70, plus a little bit of a spread. That has purchased us a stack of 8,588,134 sats not quite half of which was just purchased in 2023, and that's really cool. That was part of the benefit about DCAing. When we started, Bitcoin was on the way up, so we purchased all the way up to the all-time high, but the last two years have been that crab market, and so we averaged that cost down to where our average purchase price overall uh, was $29,342.81. Today, we're going to add to that. As usual, we're going to do so using the Cash app. I have had my Issues that I've addressed, my, my grievances with Cash App that I've aired on previous episodes, but I do think they're the, pretty much the easiest way to purchase Bitcoin if Cash App is available to you. They're not a sponsor of the show, and they're probably not even available in most of the countries where you're listening, but if they are and you're not already using them, please consider signing up using the referral code in our show notes, because if you do, you'll get $5 for free for signing up. So that's more sats that you can stack than you would have if you just go to cashapp.com, download the app, and sign up or whatever and the show will get five bucks too. So you'll get paid to help support the podcast, which is pretty darn awesome. So I've got Cash App open. I already have money on the Cash App because this has been a Cash App holiday. One of the things we like to do is Cash App uh, Bitcoin or cash to our friends and family members and vice versa. So I already have money on Cash App, but if you don't, Cash App will let you add money to Cash App immediately, convert that money to Bitcoin immediately, and transfer it to your hardware wallet immediately, things other apps, other exchanges might not do. And while their fees are a little higher than some exchanges, they will still let me transfer my Bitcoin to my hardware wallet for free. That's why I'm cutting some slack on the higher fees because as high as fees are right now, sending all this to my hardware wallet when we're done stacking and doing so for free, uh, it certainly beats paying a $15 mining fee. All right, so Cash App is open. I got the 20 bucks on Cash App. Tap and Bitcoin, tap and buy, tap and confirm, and boom! Just like that, we purchased another 45,025 sats. Bitcoin's gone up in price a little bit while I've been talking, just like it did last week. In fact, we purchased almost exactly the same amount of Bitcoin last week. We got exactly 45,000 sats for our stack. That has brought our stack up to 8,663. 1159 sats it did unfortunately raise our average cost price our average cost basis our average purchase price up by $78.63 our average purchase price is now $29,421.44 which is still one of those numbers that's going to be man I can't believe you bought bitcoin for just $29,000 or just $40,000 or just $50,000 in a couple of years so um the important thing is that the number of sats in our wallet is going up uh, and the fact that uh, that our average purchase price is only $29,421.44. Uh, it just goes to test as testimony to testify to the power of dollar-cost averaging. You know, had we YOLOed in at $35,000 on day one of our DCA series, our average cost basis would be $35,000. So uh, by buying every Wednesday during the, downs- the down market and the crab market, uh, we, we, we did nicely. Uh, if you had YOLO'd in today, you would, you'd have an average cost purchase purchase cost of $43,400. So I think we've shown the value of DCA during this series. Of course, you know, we did have the advantage of starting near the top. So for the last two years, we've been buying as Bitcoin is going down in price. Uh, there were times when we were knocking almost $1,000 off of our average cost basis per month. A year ago in December, we dropped our average purchase price by $1,295 in just one month. November, we knocked off almost $2,000 in purchase price. Uh, This December, however, it increased our purchase price by $319.54. So that's just the way DCA works. However, as I mentioned before, it sure beat YOLOing in at $39,716. And that $8,630,000 Thirty-three thousand one hundred fifty-nine satoshis when Bitcoin hits $100,000, which I think it's gonna easily eclipse that during this bull run. Again, I don't have a crystal ball, but if it does, that'll make our stack, that'll give our stack a value of $8,633.15. And even if we don't invest another fiat dollar into Bitcoin, if we don't stack another sat, when Bitcoin inevitably hits $1 million that day, that stash will be worth $86,331.59. Of course, we're gonna continue to grow that stack But as Bitcoin continues up and to the right, the US dollar or the fiat value of that sat can only continue to increase. And that's not too shabby considering we've only invested $2,540 to date. Before I go, I want to remind you one more time that we do have some referral codes in our show notes. So for example, we we referred to the one uh, for Cash App and none of these companies are sponsors, uh, but... You will get something for free for signing up for those uh, for each one of those services, and we will as well. So, if they are services that you want to use, they're they're available to you, and you decide you like them, and you don't have another referral code to use, please consider using ours. Because, for example, Cash App, the show will get five dollars, and you'll get five dollars. We have one for Strike. Strike is a pretty cool app. I use it, for example, when I buy my coffee in El Salvador because I want to pay in Bitcoin, but I don't want to send my Bitcoin for multiple reasons. I don't want to incur a capital gains event and I don't want to uh, I don't want to reduce the size of my stack. So by using st- Strike, I'm able to use US dollars off my debit card to pay in Bitcoin. So they get sats, but I've never touched Bitcoin, so it isn't a buy or sell for me. So there aren't any tax implications. Currently, if you don't use Strike and you want to sign up for Strike and it's increasingly available in more and more countries, clicking on our referral code to do so will give you $5 free for signing up, which you can turn into sats or do whatever you want with, maybe buy coffee with it. And we'll get $5 as free free as well. So again, that's a heck of a cool way to help support the podcast. There's one other link in there, and that's for Fold. You're probably familiar with the Fold card. It's a debit card where you load it up with US dollars, but uh, you get sats back for using your debit card. Uh, And you can purchase gift cards and get get even more sats back. Currently, they're offering 20,000 sats for signing up and using their debit card for free if you use our link. And the show will get 10,000 sats free as well. So we're not talking US dollars here. You'll help us stack 10,000 sats and you will get paid 20,000 sats to do so. Of course, there are a variety of other ways you can help support the podcast, including through your podcasting 2.0 apps where you can send boostergrams or stream uh, sats on a value-for-value basis. Of course, if you do send us a boostergram, we will read it on the follow-up episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin podcast. For those of you out there who just want to say hi, I also would like to ask you to help us feed the algorithm of the monster by following us on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod. If you don't want to send us a Boostergram, I understand fees are expensive and sats are getting more and more valuable, uh, but send me a DM on, on on Twitter and let me know what you think about the podcast because I do like hearing from you. I do like knowing you're out there listening uh, and I value your input. If you're not on Twitter, we're on Noster. Our NPUB pub should be in the show notes as well, or at least you can find that on Twitter. And if you're neither on Noster or Twitter, you can just send me a good old-fashioned email. My email address is BitcoinBulletin at ProtonMail.com. I really do like to hear from you. Last but not least, whatever app you're listening to us on, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Fountain or wherever, please rate or review the podcast because that feeds the algorithm of the monster as well. If you're subscribed to the podcast for automatic downloads, that helps promote the podcast to other people as well. The more activity, the more reviews, et cetera, the podcast gets, the more likely other people are to see that podcast pop up in their feed. And hopefully the more people we can orange pill together. Either way, don't forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday because we are going to continue our DCA stack. Uh, this, This was simply the last DCA of 2023, not the last DCA ever because we're going to keep growing that stack as long as people will allow us to stack sats. As long as people are out there willing to sell sats to us, as long as some, some company out there, some moron is willing to trade us sats for fiat. We're going to keep stacking. But until that time, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sats stackers.